Hi, everybody. Mike Erie here. We are so glad you're joining in with our podcast. Uh, I have the privilege of uh, being joined this morning by Jeff Prees, a man who speaks of himself in the third person a lot and makes it very cool. Well, you know, uh, and Prees is happy to be with uh, Erie, <laughs> you know, uh, which is always great. So exactly. I'm honored to be here. Prees uh, spoke at Irvine. Um, I was down at MV, and we had a great weekend. Uh, we skipped last week uh, after... Uh, the beginning of our Consume series, so I just want to remind you of what we're talking about. We're, we're spending three weeks on on the uh, the idea that the American dream, although there are parts of it we can affirm as fundamentally a mistaken view of life, the idea that ever-increasing levels of uh, money and security and health lead to ever-increasing levels of happiness just isn't the way um, that God has intended for us to live, and it's not something that's true. And so we've wanted to take three journeys. The first journey uh, we took a couple of Sundays ago from entitlement to gratitude. Uh, this week we talked about the journey from self-sufficiency to dependence, and, and Prees was talking about that. Uh, and then next week we're going to talk about the journey from consumption to generosity. These seem like minorly relevant topics these days. Um, uh, so Jeff, um, welcome to the podcast. You you spoke up here, and one of the questions we always ask is, okay, so you know, you've got 30, 35 minutes to cover all this stuff, and there's so much we leave out. What were some things you left out? What would you want to dial in more uh, if you had the opportunity to have more time? Well, I, I would say that it's not... Um I don't know if I'd want to add more. It's just the it's the idea that when when I get done, I'm always surprised about what from what I hear. And it's this idea that um, dependency is something that um, we wrestle with, and and it is just this tug of war of life. Of the world says be dependent on all the great things that you have and all the great things that you can get, and then we struggle with being dependent uh, on our God. And so it's this ongoing wrestling match that I always think that. It never goes away, but it's bewildering to me how troubling it is for people. You know, we're both sports guys. It's like this idea that, you know, when a team just has your number and you know they're not better than you, <laughs> but they just keep beating you. And that's how this dependence thing is. You go, you know, we know it's not the answer. Right. But at the same time, we just keep wrestling with it. So that's yeah. kind of that's the thing that I kept feeling w- with the message and listening to people afterwards. Yeah, it, it is. It's pretty staggering that... Um, we can easily sing and say uh, God is good, and yet, at least for me, the reason self-sufficiency is such an attractive way of living is because I don't buy it. I really don't buy that he's good. I say that he's good. I believe in my head that he's good, but yet I spend my whole week kind of arranging for myself what I think the good life is. Yeah, and it's that idea with dependence. If you can think about ourselves and we go, there's areas in our life where we have no trouble being dependent. Right, Like, right. You know, like I'm going into Christmas and I'm going to buy my kids gifts, but I know the gifts I get them are kind of lame. You know, but and I'm okay buying them lame gifts right. because I know grandma and grandpa Amen. are going to come through with the greatest of gifts. <laughs> and so this notion that I can be dependent on what they are going to provide, uh-huh. no problem with. Right. Where we struggle with is, okay, do we have that same right. um, trust in God right. and being dependent on him? And, and all of a sudden, we just put the brakes on and we just go, uh-uh, not going to go there. So that's, that's, right. the, that's the trouble. Well, and Jesus doesn't make it any easy, easier on us because he comes around and he announces in a thousand different ways that the world is safe. 
for those who trust God. Even in the midst of all the bad things that are happening in his world and in our world, he keeps coming and saying things like, no one can snatch you out of my hand. My father knows how to give good gifts to his children. I mean, he just, he is ruthless about presenting the idea that you're safe. And he'll bless people who, you know, we look at and go, no, those people aren't blessed. The poor in spirit, those who are mourning, those that aren't at home in this world. And he, so he flips the whole thing on us and looks at us and goes, okay, if you're going to come and follow me, you got to lose your life, which in this very real sense means depending on me and depending what on, on what I can accomplish all by myself. So I'm absolutely with you. At Mission Vejo, one of the things we did is we really dealt in on this idea of whether or not we believe God is good. And we had people stand up uh, who struggle with that, which could have been all of us, but some were way right. more honest. And, um, and we just prayed over them because ultimately only God, this combination of his spirit, his word, and his community can, can win us over um, to that idea. It's not something I think we just uh, grow into naturally. And we kind of, we kind of, we hit on the same kind of concepts and we talked about whether God is good and whether we feel, we know God is good, but whether we feel God is good sometimes. Right. And it was this notion that, you know, sometimes we don't feel like God is good because, you know, hard things happen to us. And totally. you, you're sure God is good and you want me to depend on a God that where hard things happen? Or Correct. sometimes, you know, we cry out to God on, on these things that seem like slam dunk things, <laughs> slam dunk things where God certainly would say yes and he says no. So we have this concept going on where sometimes God, you know, sometimes we're faced with hard things. Sometimes mm-hmm. he doesn't say yes. And, and, and that's a hard message. And Absolutely. Beca- and you listen to people. You know, one of the surprising things is after the message, I would listen to people say, you know what? That, that was a hard message. Mm-hmm. And, and that's counterintuitive sometimes to how I think hmm. because the message essentially was God will not always give you what you want. Mm-hmm. God will not always um, answer your prayers how you want him to answer your prayers. Right. right. And people, people think that's a hard message. Right. My brain goes to, you know what a hard message is? Huh. You know, cry out to God and he'll give you what you want and, and, and believe in Jesus and life just totally comes together. Mm-hmm. And then you walk out those doors and life just hits you between the eyes and it doesn't work like that. That's right. That's a hard message. That's a really good point. And so that's where I, it's, it's almost... Yeah, I, I get bewildered by that sometimes. Yeah. So, and I think that's G- why Jesus would so often talk to his followers about what it costs to follow him, and put it in very, very almost hyperbolic terms. You've got to hate your mother or father. Or you've got to lose your life because, in a sense, the entitlements that we all creep into of I deserve a good life and healthy kids and a good marriage and successful career that are all wrapped up in this thing we call the American dream aren't promised. Mm-mm. Anywhere, no. and and fundamentally, um, you know, I love what Romans eight uh, talks about, where Paul says, "Hey, God works everything together for good." But there are two things we never say that need to be said. Number one, not everything is good, but He'll use it for good. But number two, the good that that right. Paul says is being conformed to the image of Jesus. Right, right, right. It's You're not better to find good. Yes. And so I have this definition of good that's all about success, comfort, convenience, and and prosperity. And God has this definition of good that's holiness and righteousness and obedience. And until I really believe that's good, man, it is a struggle. It is a struggle. The reward of following Jesus is Jesus. And until I really believe that, and the reward, see, I think the reward of following Jesus should be peace and should be joy and should be answered prayer and should be money and blessing and all of these things. Until you really become convinced he's the treasure, man, we are lost. 
Yeah. Because I'm treasuring other things. Yeah, totally agree. It's Preeze is back. Well, you know, pre, that's Preeze's message to, to himself. Preeze it's, is preaching <laughs> to himself right I know, now. I know. I, I, I'm actually sitting here going, man, I'm preaching to myself. I better yeah, shut up. This was really good. I should have said this this weekend. Yeah, I know. All right, a couple of questions. Uh, and by the way, keep them coming. Um, we are totally and severely under-challenged. By these questions, no, not these particular. But we need we need a deluge. We need a flood. When you of say questions. we now, we means you because you know yes. I'm, I'm constantly challenged by all Pre- questions. <laughs> so you go ahead, Priest. How's your day? Um, uh, I don't know. Let me think about it. All right. So one quick question. Uh, at both uh, Mission Viejo and Irvine, when we did the Q and As after. Uh, the Why Jesus Hates Religion series, uh, we, we were asked about Mariner's view of women uh, in the church and their leadership roles. And one of the things we said, and we believe fully uh, the scriptures teach, is that spiritual gifts are given without regard to gender. So if anyone has the gift of teaching, doesn't matter if they're male or female, uh, we do believe in the idea of headship, and we went into that. So tune into the podcast for more thorough explanation of that Q&A. But one question uh, that was raised by that was, well, if you believe that women can teach, then then have we had, or why don't we have, women uh, on the platform uh, at Mariners, and um, there are lots of reasons for that. But one of them, one of the uh, answers to say is that we we have we have Nancy Ortberg was here uh, within the past couple of years. We have uh, when you when you talk about the platform and what it is we're hoping God does up there. You know, there are a number of weeks. I mean, you want the primary. Peach, uh, preacher. I was going to say preacher, which is a teacher or preacher combined into preacher. Um, you went to primary teacher or pastor of the community up front the majority of the time. Then we have other people on staff like yourself and Kevin Pike and others uh, that, that kind of round out the, the general voice of the church. And when we find exceptional uh, gifted women at, in a message or in a series that fit, we're always open to what God would do. So it's not, it's not a conviction on our part that doesn't make that happen. Uh, I think there are some practical things, but you know, we also would point to Nancy and others who've taught at Mariners and the history of Mariners to say, absolutely, we are totally comfortable with that. Anything you want to add? Well, and I'd also say we, we, we pride ourselves on telling story. And oftentimes the stories we tell are, are through video where people come up and tell mm-hmm. their story. And mm-hmm. as, I, as, I, as I listen to you and think, I go, you know, there's oftentimes those are stories told by women mm-hmm. who, are, who are teaching and talking about life. Totally. And so I, I see that a lot happening here too as well. Yeah. I, I think uh, we have another question on a completely different subject. Uh, this was sent in after the message, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday previous, which kicked off Consumed. And it was the idea, uh, this person writes, This weekend you talked about how God declared his creation to be good in Genesis 1. And then in First Timothy 4, Paul reiterates this concept, specifically in the area of food. My question then, and this is so insightful, is why did God command the Israelites to abstain from certain foods, pigs and such, in Deuteronomy 14 and other places, in the Old Testament, and then take away the restrictions after Jesus' resurrection? If creation was good at the beginning and good after Jesus came, why was it forbidden in between that time? Hmm. Genius question. I know. And we're clearly two guys who think that food is good. You know, if you look at us. Yep. Let's just say if, if we had video records, you you could understand it. pumpkin pie, bro. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, I, clearly that is good, and it God is good. thinks it's good. God thinks it's good. Pigs too. I mean, there is something about bacon. Um, but we digress. T- but we digress. Um, 
there, there, scholars have all sorts of guesses um, as, to, as to why the restrictions were given in the Old Testament. My particular view is that God is a God of props. So God always uses physical reality to point to spiritual reality, right? So uh, Noah and the rainbow, circumcision, as much as that, you know, I'd rather I've have a rainbow. I've never heard rainbows and circumcision tied together, but keep well, going there, Mike. Yep. You can. Uh, you have to work at it a little bit. Um, uh, baptism, communion, these are all physical props that point to spiritual reality. The abstaining from certain foods... Um, wasn't because those particular foods in and of themselves were unclean, but they pointed to realities that for the Israelites would have been unclean. Primarily, these animals that were eaten or sacrificed to or worshipped or used in worship um, in the Canaanite religion right around them, all of those animals were forbidden out of the gate. Uh, also, there were some health concerns. God was a, li- a bit more sophisticated in understanding health than the folks were back then. And so some of the animals were restricted simply because they weren't good for you in a desert climate and you couldn't keep them. The primary thing, though, driving all of the holiness restrictions, which these fall into, was keeping God's people separate as an identifiable set-apart group from the pagans around them. And so all of the restrictions, I think you can trace a lot of these, like boiling a, a kid in its mother's milk. This was this was actually a pagan practice used in pagan worship. And so all of that's restricted. And you go, well, that makes no sense to me now. Uh, but, but there's genius in it. And one of the reasons why we don't really love and appreciate the scriptures is we have to do so much work to get at it. But it's there if you dig. You want to add anything? I got on nothing on boiling? that. No, when you started busting that stuff out, I'm out of here. All right. Breeze is back. Nah, Breeze got nothing. Keep going, though. You're on fire. I'm on fire. Okay. All right. That was a great question. Here's the deal. We are so excited. We're going to wrap up uh, a Consume series this weekend. Then we're going to start into the book of Matthew. And we're going to use Matthew to go into Christmas all the way uh, then from January into Easter. Because it's oddly enough, Christmas and Easter are related in the story of Jesus. And we're going to unify them by going through the gospel. It's going to be super fun. So we're excited about that. But the big thing we're excited about. More than anything else, our goal always in doing this and doing the weekends is to equip you for the ministry that you have right in front of you. And so we encourage you, whether you're at home, whether you're a student, whether you're in carpool, whether you're at work, uh, to see that these conversations are intended to equip and inspire and encourage and motivate you to carry the ministry that God's given you right where you are. You don't have to go anywhere to be a pastor. You don't have to go anywhere else to be a missionary or a minister. We want to bless you right where, right where you are at, and we want to be helpful. So help us, help us help, help you. you. Oh, yeah. God bless you. Please, any parting thoughts? Nah, privileged to be here. Thanks a bunch. One important clarification that Mike neglected to mention is that a kid is commonly referred to as a goat's child, not a kid as in a human child, which would be horribly weird, and I don't even know how that would happen, but the goat and the kid are what were in view in Mike's comment. Blessings to you, and please send all questions you have about this to jpreez at marinerschurch.org. <laughs>